Today, we are finishing our series, Best Days. This is the last week of the series. We're gonna kick something off next month. But listen, this final part of the series, I am so pumped to preach this word to you. And if you're taking notes, just write this down, living in victory, living in victory, because the whole point of this series is to get the church moving into your best days yet, living in victory over sin, living in victory over discouragement, living in victory over your feelings, your emotions, your attitude, that you would start stepping into the best days that God has for you yet. Now, I can already kind of hear a little bit of pessimism in the crowd going, I don't know if it's God's will for us to live our best days yet. You know, listen, God came to give you life and life to the fullest. You either have a theology that Jesus wants you to be miserable, angry, mad, frustrated with life, miserable to be around, not, not happy with anybody, not happy in any season, or you believe that God came, you to, get, came to give you life and life to the fullest. And sometimes I'm not saying that life's going to be easy. I'm saying you have the choice to walk in victory no matter what's going on around you. And God wants you and I to live a life of victory. If you got a Bible, go to Genesis 11, verse 27, 11, verse 20. Come on, Jesus. And this is the story about Abram's father. Most of us in the room, we know about father Abraham who had many sons and I am one of them. You know about that, that, that man. Abraham actually followed in the footsteps of his father to fulfill the dream that his father never fulfilled. And I want you to see this because a lot of people miss this, that Abram's father was supposed to do what Abram did. His father was on his way to the promised land. Watch this in verse 27. This is the account. This is the account of Abram's dad, Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So we had three boys. Abram was one of three brothers. So there was three boys. And Haran became the father of Lot. If you know about Lot, Lot's the man who went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. God pulls him out of there. His wife turns around. And when she looks back at the city, she turns into a pillar of salt. Okay, yeah. You, those of you that have been in children's church a little bit, you know. Those of you who haven't, you're going to want to listen to this because there's something important here about walking in victory. It says, while his father Terah was still alive, his son Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So in other words, the father outlives the child. No parent wants to outlive their kid. That's, that's, a, that's a nightmare of a parent to think that my child would pass away while I'm still living. Uh, I remember when my father passed away and it was a painful thing for me, but I could only feel just a little bit of the pain that my grandma felt, grand grand, that was her boy. And I remember her coming to me, she was just discouraged, devastated. And she said, Paul, I don't know if I can, I can keep going. I don't know if I'm supposed to still be a, a part of victory and stay in Tulsa. No, my purpose was really connected to your dad and he was my boy and she starts crying. She said, you know, I just miss my son. No mom wants to outlive their boy. No, no dad wants to outlive their child. And, and I remember crying with her and I said, grand, grand, I'm, I'm discouraged too. But listen, all I know is that my dad's up in heaven. And so as believers, we don't grieve with a sense of depression that we'll never see our, our loved ones again. We believe we'll see them again in heaven. And I said, Grand Grand, he's cheering you on from heaven saying, don't you quit. If there's breath in your lungs, keep moving forward. But I said, uh, your son wouldn't want you to live in misery the rest of your life. I said, my dad, your boy, he would not want you to live angry, bitter, frustrated, Cry as much as you need to cry. Take your time to grieve. Grieving is part of Christianity. There's a book called Lamentations, right? So there is a time to weep. And though weeping may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. I said, grand, grand, I need you. God needs you. Your family needs you. 
And the day came where she rose up out of that feeling of discouragement. And my grand grand has been living her best days for these last eight and a half years since my father, nine years. Same thing goes for so many people in this church. I remember when an usher in our church, he now serves as an usher. He came to me and he said, Paul, I sat in the back of section C. In fact, he serves in this service right here, right now. Chris Harris, will you stand up? This is the man I'm talking about. Chris, will you come up here? I want you to share this real quickly because people need to hear this story. Yeah, come on up here, both of y'all. Give him a big hand. You walked through a loss and tell them what, what happened as you were sitting in the back. We walked through a very difficult time um, in 2013, and uh, we had twins and we lost our little girl. And um, when that happened, as a Christian, the first thing you wanna do is say, why? Why, where's God? And you're so mad and so angry and so bitter, and I wasn't plugged in, and uh, I, for some reason, expected the church to be there for me. So I sat there after the loss of my child up there in the section, and, and I was mad. I wanted to go to a different church. I was looking for somewhere else. My, my heart was closed, my ears were closed. Anything he had to say, I didn't believe. And I'm sure, just like he started the service, really, what's, what's ahead? What can God possibly have for me now at my lowest? And I did that for a year. And it almost broke up my family. Almost lost everything I had. And any of you that have known me and don't know this story, I'm friendly, I'll shake your hand, I smile, try to make the best of every situation, but inside I was dying, and it was hard, and the devil was working so hard to tell me I was not worth it. Anything that I would do, I would be defeated. Anything that I would want to try to do for Christ, I wasn't worthy of. Anyway, I came, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna come to the dream team meeting, and I did, and again, I sat up very, very high in the back there, arms crossed, going, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Then we did something that this church does so well, hold hands and pray together. And we got around this whole auditorium, and we held hands and prayed over these seats, prayed, and something just broke over me. And back when he originally had me do this, it was, something broke and I started crying, and God just, just lifted that burden off my heart, and I thought, I can't serve this family without going to Pastor Paul and asking his forgiveness because I was so angry at him, and he'd been through a loss too. So I went down and asked for his forgiveness. He didn't have any clue whatsoever, and he said, man, I'm sorry. I love you, and that was it. It's all I needed. So just know, get connected, get into this family, whether it's in one section or all of it, whether you just know the people on your row, you never know what they're walking through. It, it's so difficult. This is still like it was yesterday to lose a child. And when I come to church and serve, it's an honor. I love serving because I get to shake people's hands. I get to smile. And if that helps somebody just get through today, it was worth it. It was worth it. And I thank God... I thank God for this opportunity. I thank God for giving me a second chance. Come on. We love you, man. And what I wanted to share with y'all this morning about this story is that he had a choice to stay bitter 
and to lose it all in bitterness or to choose to move forward in forgiveness and to move forward in grace and say, I'm gonna stop being angry at God, angry at the church, angry at people, and I'm gonna start walking in victory over my heart, my emotions, my attitude, my feelings, my words. Chris is a different man. I mean, from that day that we talked, just seeing his joy, seeing his love, seeing, seeing his servanthood, give them a big hand. Come on, one more time. What we find in Genesis 11 is a father who's hurting, a father, much like Chris, who's lost a child, and he has a choice, either keep moving forward towards the promised land, towards the victory that God has in front of you, or to stay discouraged. Now it says two of his sons, they get married, they start trying to have children. One of his sons finds out he can't have kids, that's Abram and Sarai. It says that she was barren, she could not conceive. What Sarai didn't know is the script tells us later on her name would become Sarah and that she would have children in the promised land. She had to move forward from the current season because it was only a temporary setback. Your temporary setback is not a permanent vision for your life. Don't let a temporary season of loss or pain become the permanent uh, uh, attitude you carry, the permanent vision you have for your life. Sarah had to keep moving forward. Abram had to keep moving forward. Tara had to keep moving forward. But watch what happens here in verse 31. So Tara takes his grandson. Now he's raising a grandson because his son is dead. Um, he's now got his other boy, Abram. He takes him with him and he sets out for the promised land. He sets out for Canaan. This is the land that God gave them. But when he came to a land called Haran, he settled there. Now, where do we see the word Haran? Haran is the name of his boy that he lost. It's just one R, but as I was reading this, I was thinking something stirred up memories of the past. You think you're over something and then you're reminded of it again. You think you let go of the painful divorce. You think you let go of what he did to you, how they betrayed you, who walked out on you, who wasn't there for you. You think you're over it and then you come across a town that sounds exactly like the name of your son that you lost. And you have a choice. You can sit down in that town and go, my best days are behind me. My best days are when they were with me, when my son was alive. That's when my best day, you can keep looking in your past, but as long as you look in your past, you'll never see your future. If you're in love with your past or you're mad about your past, you'll never be able to embrace the future that God has for you. You can't step into the future victory that God has for you if you're holding on to a past defeat. Just because you had one loss doesn't mean you're a loser. Just because you missed it one time, just because you dropped the ball doesn't mean that God will never hand the ball back to you again. God has a future for you. The enemy wants to keep you in a shoulda, coulda, woulda place. He wants to keep you in Haran. It says, when he came to Haran, when he came to the town that sounded like the name of the boy he lost, it says he settled there and he died in Haran. He never made it out. How many people have stopped short of the victory that God has for them because of the pain they've walked through, the divorce, they got let go of a company, someone left them, the doctors gave them the report and said, this is your final vision for your life. No, 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 it's just a temporary setback. You could change that thing. You can change what's going on in your life. You have the power to respond with victory. You don't have to respond with defeats. Listen, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. I can't control what you do to me, but I can control how I respond to you. And my life will follow in the direction of my response, not in your actions towards me. So people can walk out, people can say mean things, people can do mean things, but if I will keep in a stance of victory, then I'm gonna overcome whatever comes against my way. 
You say, I don't know about that. Paul, I, I kind of feel like what other people do to me, that's what determines where my life ends up. That's saying that the outside determines the inside. If there's anything you learn from the Bible, it's that you have to have an internal victory before you have an external victory. Like you have to have a, you can't live a victorious life with a defeated mindset. You gotta have the, the inside determines the outside. It's not the outside that determines the inside. My attitude determines my, my stance, my thoughts, my word. I've got to get a vision of victory in here before I walk in victory out there. This is why I had to sit, you know, that moment with my, my grandma. This is why Chris had to make the decision in his mind. My, boy, my, my daughter's up in heaven praying that I'm going to wake up and rise up and stop walking in anger and bitterness towards God and towards the church and start living in victory. Like if you've lost someone and you think their prayer up in heaven is, I just pray that they stay miserable, angry, mad, depressed, lonely, frustrated, pushing everybody away from them, mad at God, mad at life. That's not their prayer. They're cheering you on from heaven saying, don't you throw in the towel. I need you to finish in victory, dad. I need you to finish in victory, mom. You weren't born to live in misery. You were born to live in victory. This is good theology. This is good news. The Bible is not about living a de depressed life. Like the living for Jesus is not meant to be burdensome, frustrating, angry, discouraging. God called you to live in victory. Second Corinthians says he leads us into triumphant victory. He leads us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. He wants us to be an aroma of victory wherever we go. Right? God has called us to be more than conquerors, that we're rising above what life throws at us. So it says that Abram's father got stuck in that town. Turn to someone next to say, you're not stuck. You just stopped. Say it again to the other person, your second choice, say, you're not stuck. You just stopped. You gotta keep moving forward. Hey, listen, say this with me. Wake up, rise up, grow up, show up. The victory is yours, church. The victory is yours. Some of us are waiting for God to give us what he's already given us. We're saying, I just wish that God would give me a, a life of victory. He's like, no, I did. You're just mad because life's not easy. I didn't promise you an easy life. I did promise you a victorious life. I did say that you could reign in life. I did say that you could reign over your feelings, that you could overcome that. You could walk in victory over those defeated thoughts you keep on thinking. So many people are sleeping through their victory. They're sleeping. They're just saying, one of these days, I'm, God's going to fix it all. God's going to make it all happen. But you've got to choose to move forward. When Ruth in the Bible lost her husband, lost her father-in-law, and now she's stuck with a woman named Naomi, her mother-in-law, who's gone nuts, who's changing her name to Mara, saying, I'm mad at God. I'm bitter. I'm angry. Ruth says, I'm moving forward. Even though I'm an immigrant, I'm a foreigner, I'm going to the Israelite land. And I believe that my best days are still in front of me. I'm not staying in depression because I lost my husband. I believe that God's not done with my life. Listen, you have a choice every day to stay defeated or to get up and walk in victory. It's up to you. My victory is my responsibility. God can't do it all for me. He said on the cross, it is finished. Greatest statement in the history of mankind. It's done. Now it's my job to accept it and apply it and start living in it. Like God can't do it all for you. He's saying, come on, I paid the price. Now wake up. It's abnormal in God's eyes to see Christians living defeated. God's going, hold on. Um, why, like, why are you always mad at everybody and miserable and triggered and angry and, and anxious and panic attacked and constantly unhappy with life? 
And then you say you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Ah, people drive me nuts, you know? And it's like, God's going, come on, man. Like I paid the price for that anxiety. I paid the price for that anger. I paid the price for that defeated attitude. I remember when I played basketball growing up and we had an eighth grade championship against Evangelistic Temple. And we were down like by one point, five seconds left, clock's ticking down, my coach calls a timeout. We had the ball. And we were on the other side of the court. So now we got two seconds left. We're down by one, championship game. And the coach says, okay, Paul, you're gonna throw the ball in bounds. Now I had to throw it full court. We had to do a full court play in two seconds. He said, we're gonna set a screen for Nasoshi Azabuki. He's gonna turn around. He's gonna run. You're gonna launch it. He's gonna catch it. He's gonna throw it into the hoop. It's all gonna work out perfectly, just like I planned. How many know life doesn't always go the way you planned? Marriage doesn't go always the way you planned. Family, raising kids, it's not always the way that you thought it was gonna. Sometimes life gets in the way of your plans. So I get into, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm getting ready to pass the ball. The ref starts counting. Five. The guy who's guarding me is six foot five in the eighth grade. <laughs> and I'm five foot four. So I'm trying to see over him. The associate gets the screen. The rest is three, two. And I launch it over that guy. And um, it's going. And I'm like, yes, it's going to reach him. It's going to reach him. But life gets in the way sometimes. The ceiling was a little too low <laughs> for my strength. And the ball hit the middle of the ceiling and fell to center court. We lost the championship game. And I was so discouraged, I was so defeated, I just fell to the ground. <laughs> and my coach was just looking at me. And my team, they were so mad, they were just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was, the whole time I was, I was trying to visualize my victory, but all I could visualize was my mistake. And sure enough, I did what I was thinking, you know, I hope I don't do that, and I did it. And I fell to the ground, I start crying. I'm like, ah! and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. And so then I just cover my face. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. And finally, everyone leaves. I'm just sitting in my puddle of sweat and tears. And I feel this touch on my shoulder. I turn around and it's my dad. And I'm like, I don't want to see you, dad. I'm so ashamed of my mistakes. And he's like, Paul, get up. And I was like, no, dad, I'm a loser. And he's like, you're not a loser. You're more than a conqueror. I was like, no, pastor, dad, please stop preaching sermons to me. And he's like, Paul, get up. You're the last one in the gym. No one else is here. I was like, I just, it's all over, dad. My career is over. No one wants me to play basketball. I'm never going to make the varsity team. I'm never going to have another chance. And he, you know, he's just listening to me, have my pity party. And he goes, Paul, get up. Somebody say, get up. We don't think we look like that, but in God's eyes, sometimes we're having our own little pity party because life didn't go the way we thought it was gonna go. You didn't get the promotion and your best friend did. You, you didn't win the thing that you wanted to win. You didn't get the house that you wanted to get. Things haven't turned around yet. You were counting on something to happen by the age of 30, it didn't happen. And now you're trying to figure out like, when is that going to happen? Has God forgot about me? And you're laying on the ground, God's saying, get up. Get up, there's still victory in front of you. You haven't preached your best sermon. You haven't sang your best song. You haven't seen your greatest miracle. Stop acting like your life is over just because it didn't go the way you planned. Like I never promised you perfect, easy, tornado-free, storm-free life in Oklahoma. What I did promise was to be your shelter in the middle of the storm. I did promise that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I did promise that you're more than a conqueror. I did promise that you have resurrection power. So get up. 
In John chapter five, this is in our Bible reading plan this week, there was this man, Jesus comes walking into this area where there's a pool, there's a swimming pool. But it's not a swimming pool, it's a pool that people just kind of dangle their feet in, and it's a pool that brings healing. It was a pool that if people got into the water at just the right time, like once a year, an angel would show up, true story, an angel would show up, stir the waters, and whoever was lucky enough to touch the water first got the miracle. Everyone else missed out on it. So this man, he had been invalid for 38 years. So he couldn't move, couldn't get up, couldn't do anything. Jesus walks into the area, sees all these people that are laying there, and walks over to the man. He says, do you want to get well? Watch this. In verse 6, he says, do you want to get better? And the man, the man says this to him. Watch. He says, I can't. That's kind of how I was talking to my dad. I can't get up. My basketball career is over. And my dad was like, Paul, you're gonna get another chance. You're gonna get another shot. By the way, I went on to win three championships for the intramural basketball A-League at Oral Roberts University. My best days were still in front of me. I just didn't know it. And y'all think that's funny. It was actually awesome. It was a big deal, all right? Uh, the problem is we go through seasons where we feel a setback. We feel like, I can't, God, I can't get up from this. She left me, he walked out on me, they did me wrong, they fired me, life's not fair, I feel defeated, I'm so discouraged, I'll never get out of this mess, I'll never be able to see a great day in my life, I'm never gonna have a victory. And Jesus is going, I didn't, I didn't ask you what everyone else did to you, I said, do you wanna get better? I didn't ask you to tell me what people did to you or didn't do for you. I didn't ask you to describe how life's been unfair. I asked you one question, do you wanna get better? That's my question for you, church, this morning. Does anybody wanna get better? Does anyone, anybody wanna have more joy in your life? Anybody wanna walk in greater victory over habits in your life that have just been stinking up your attitude? Anybody wanna have victory over bad addictions in your life that have been robbing you of peace and joy? Anybody wanna have victory in your thoughts, in your hearts? Victory over situations that have just been stressing you out, causing you to have panic attacks? So Jesus finally just, after he listens to this guy, just continue to describe how life has been unfair. He says, get up. Jesus was like, <laughs> he wasn't just there to sit and counsel the man for hours. He says, get up, get up. And the man gets up and he begins to walk. Instantly, the man was healed. Could I tell you that maybe your victory is motion activated? Maybe the thing that you're waiting for God to do, God's saying, you gotta rise up. You gotta rise up on the inside and you gotta do something on the outside. Do something that you think you cannot do. Overcome what the enemy has told you is impossible. Rise up in victory. It's time for you to start living the life that God's called you to live. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what the devil wants? The devil wants you to stay defeated, destroyed, struck down, thinking that it'll never turn around. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. It's time to rise up. It's time to wake up. In 1 Samuel 16, verse one, Samuel the prophet was weeping because he picked Saul and Saul didn't turn out to be the guy that he thought he was gonna be. You ever pick somebody and it turns out to be not what you thought it was gonna be? Don't raise your hand if they're right next to you. But the point is this. <laughs> it's just savage this morning. All right, here we go. Samuel was convinced that Saul was the right guy. God was convinced. Like even God was like, and sometimes we demonize people in the Bible that were like bad people. He wasn't a bad guy. He started out really good, but somewhere along the path, he just stopped listening to God. He stopped fearing God and started fearing man. 
And so Saul drifted and Samuel wakes up one morning and goes, man, I'm, I'm heartbroken because I anointed this man in front of everybody. I stamped my approval on him and now I'm regretting, I'm ashamed, I'm feeling so hurt. I'm feeling so frustrated. He betrayed me, he betrayed my confidence. And God says to Samuel the prophet in verse one, how long are you gonna keep mourning over Saul? In fact, my version says, it's time to stop mourning over Saul. There's a time to weep and then there's a time to wake up and move on. Weeping may last for the night, but as joy comes in the morning, it's time to move forward. You've cried long enough about this defeat. Just because you lost the game doesn't make you a loser. Just because you had one mistake doesn't make you a failure. Failure is not final. Rise up and move forward. And you know what God was telling uh, uh, Samuel? He was saying, listen, the best days for Israel are still in front of her. The best days for this nation are not in the past. I'm telling you, you ain't seen nothing yet. God's about to do something that's gonna blow your mind. He's about to take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. I sense in my spirit that I'm fighting against a pessimistic attitude right now. And I'm not saying it's anyone in this room, maybe it's someone watching online, but let me just say this. Some of you are listening to this and you're going, sure, get your hopes up. Best day, yo, okay, fine. And yet on the inside, you think God wants you to live with that pessimistic attitude that we're not supposed to get our hopes up, we're not supposed to believe for anything better, that God's will is for us to live frustrated, disappointed, constantly expecting disappointment in our future. That's not God's will, it's not God's will. Psalm 42, David said, why am I discouraged? Why is my soul downcast? Why am I letting depression ruin my days? If I only get one life, and if the average lifespan in this, in this current season is 75 to 80 years, why am I wasting my years, my days, constantly depressed, discouraged, miserable, making everyone else around me feel miserable? David said, I'm gonna put my hope back in the Lord. I'm gonna put my trust back in God. See, victory begins when you surrender to Jesus. I'm gonna give you three ways to get victory. How, how does victory begin? It begins when you surrender to Jesus. You can't have victory until you let God have victory over you. I can't have victory over my situation until I let Jesus have victory over my attitude, until I let Jesus have victory over my heart. It's time to wave your white flag to God and say, I'm tired of fighting this on my own. I'm tired of pushing you away from me. Lord, I surrender. Have the victory over my life. When God gets the victory over you, God will give you the victory over that situation. Come on, I came to preach this Memorial Day weekend. He paid the price for your victory. Victory begins when you surrender to Jesus. This is why 1 John chapter 5 says, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Who are those who overcome the world? Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the victory that we have over the wickedness of the world, that we achieve this victory through our faith in Jesus Christ. You wanna have victory over sin, victory over depression, victory over discouragement, victory over uh, uh, temptation, victory over anger, hatred, unforgiveness, you gotta put your faith back in Jesus. Secondly, you gotta put your faith in God's word. I can't expect a victory in my life if I'm not sure if God wants me to have it. How do I know if God wants me to have it if the only time I actually listen to God's word is on Sundays? Some of you, you're only getting bread once a week. You gotta wake up and get some manna on a daily basis. Come on, you need to get a manifest going on in your house. <laughs> you need to start opening this word, getting the word of God. Some of y'all that are new to church and you're like, what is manna and what is he trying to manifest in me right now? 
I'm trying to get you to get the victory in your attitude. I'm trying to get you set free from yourself so that you can let Jesus lead your attitude and your feelings and your thoughts into victory. See, when I start reading God's word, I discover, oh, by his stripes, I am healed. That means I can change my thoughts and start declaring, I'm gonna expect victory in my health. I'm gonna lose that weight I need to lose. I'm gonna stop making excuses about my health and I'm gonna start declaring, I have the mind of Christ. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm changing some things in my life because God's given me power to get up, to wake up, to rise up, to grow up, and to show up in who God's made me to be. Come on, church. So watch this. Paul the apostle could not be defeated because he had a victorious spirit. You can't live a victorious life with a defeated mindset, with a defeated mouth. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, oh death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Once you realize that the worst thing that could happen to you, the worst thing that could happen to you is death, and then you're like, but Jesus conquered death. Well then now, the enemy's like, what am I gonna do to this person? And they're like, and the enemy's like, I'm gonna kill you. You're like, I go to heaven. <laughs> and then Satan's like, fine, I won't kill you. I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna do mean things to you. Fine, I'm gonna overcome. This is what Paul did. The enemy kept trying to do all kinds of stuff to try to stop him, right? Throws him in prison, starts worshiping God, starts singing songs and the, and the shackles fall off and the doors open up. Then the devil tries to take him out with a shipwreck. The storm comes upon him, right? Tornadoes and hurricanes on the Amalfi coast. And Paul the apostle stands in front of the, the sailors. He says, this is not how it ends because God has promised me a victory that I will get to Rome. And guys, none of us are gonna die. In fact, God has appointed that we're going on an Amalfi vacation. We're gonna stop in Malta. We're gonna have some island food this weekend. Things are gonna get, and listen, you know what? Snakes might bite me, but I'm gonna shake it off. You gotta get a victorious mindset. In Acts 28, the snake tries to bite Paul. A viper fastens itself to Paul's arm. And the islanders who had been serving him, thinking that these you know, guys who came off the ship are like gods. The islanders are like, oh no, this, this guy must've done something bad. And so then they think he's going to fall over and die. He just shakes it into the fire. Some of you have been bitten by life. You've been bitten by hurts, wounds, offenses, and you need to shake that stuff off. Stop letting that poison. You know, sometimes I just have shake it off parties in my own head, my own heart. DJ hit that song for me. Cut it, cut it. We're in church. All the religious people are like, I can't believe he's playing that music in there. Shake the snakes off in Jesus' name. Ha! Hey, listen. Some of y'all need to shake off some religious spirits. You need to shake off some offense. You need to shake off some hatred towards people. You need to shake off some anger, some guilt, some condemnation. Start living in victory. Hey, I'm serious. Like, I don't want to waste another day in my life because I walked through depression, man. I stood on a bridge. I had suicidal thoughts. And you know what? It's not God's will for us to live like that. For anyone in the room who's like, I just don't buy this theology of good news. What theology are you buying then? Because the Bible says this is the good news. Something good is going to happen to you because Jesus lives inside you. And guess what? Satan doesn't like it, so he's gonna bring something bad against you. And what are you gonna do? You're gonna shake it off and you're gonna keep walking in victory. You're gonna keep moving forward. 
This is why Paul said, I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Yeah, I'm perplexed. I am perplexed. Life's unfair. But listen, I might be persecuted, but I'm getting through this. I'm moving forward. I'm convinced that I can live in these light momentary troubles. They do not compare to the glory that is awaiting us. And I know he's working all things together for good. And I'm more than a conqueror. And if God is for me, who can be against me? So I'm putting my faith not in myself. We are not a self-help church. We are a Jesus church. Jesus gives us the victory, not our personality, not our connections, not our talents, not our strengths, not what people think about us, but what God says about us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're children of the King. We have the victory through Jesus Christ who lives in us. Somebody say, I'm walking in victory. All right, I want the keys to come out before I do something crazy again. Thirdly, you know who you are in Christ. When victory, victory begins when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you put your faith in God's word. So again, my faith is not in Tulsa World. My faith is not in CNN or Fox News. My faith is in the Bible. This thing has outlasted all the brands. You think Nike's a big deal? This, this, the cross has outlasted every symbol in the entire world. This is my victory. This is my victory. Some of you right now, you're in a battle. You're in a battle against cancer. You're in a battle against what someone's done to you, what someone's threatening to do to you. You have one choice as a believer. As a belie- if you're not a believer, you got a lot of choices. But as a believer, your choice is this. Choose to put your faith back in God. If your faith has gotten out of God, if you've just been tormented, distracted, frustrated, you feel anemic as a believer, you've stopped reading God's word, you've stopped worshiping, get your praise back. Praise is a highway. He's about to make a way where there seems to be no way. When I start, I get my identity back in Christ. I've got authority as a believer that listen, because I'm a child of the King, because, because God lives in his DNA has given me resurrection life in this situation. For anyone who's lost your victory, let me tell you how to get it back. Number one, you got to visualize the victory. You got to visualize the victory. I want you to close your eyes right now. Visualize yourself seeing victory over that situation. Your thoughts, get your thoughts. Think big, live big. Think small, live small. Think defeated, live defeated. Think victorious, live victorious. I want you to visualize. And listen, this has been taken out of context in some circles, but right here, we are visualizing God giving us victory over whatever the enemy's throwing against us. Visualize yourself walking in victory over that doctor's report. Visualize yourself seeing that business turn around. Visualize yourself, if you lost your job or you can't find a job, visualize yourself working in that great job that God has for you. If you feel like you're never gonna get married, visualize yourself in a healthy, strong marriage. If you've never been able to have children, visualize, you say, I don't know about this. Hebrews 11 verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. If God has promised it in his word, he's promised you life. God says, commit to the Lord your plans and he will cause your plans to succeed. God has given you a promise that if you surrender to him and you begin to ask the desires that line up with his will, he's gonna bring it to pass. Begin to believe in Jesus name. That vision is, we're sitting in a vision. We're sitting in a, this was in my dad's mind before it was ever on a person's paper. Before an architect ever drew out the plans for this Victory Worship Center, it was in my dad's mind. It was in my mom's mind. They just drive by this cow pasture. That's what this was, was a cow pasture. And they say, I see a church. 
drive down to North Tulsa. I see a future dream center one day. Every single vision that was in their mind has now come to pass. It has to happen in here before it happens out there. You want God to change some things in your life? Change your thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Secondly, you gotta verbalize your victory. Verbalize, don't just see it, say it, say it. This is why David, when he went to go fight Goliath, he started talking to the other people. He said, listen, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's defying the armies of the living God? Let no one lose courage. Your boy, AKA me, David, I'm gonna go fight that man Goliath. I know he's nine feet tall and I'm a 14 year old boy with puberty, but listen, I'm about to take that giant down. He said it, he said it kind of like that. And they said, you can't, you're too small, you're too young, you're unqualified, you don't have the right armor. David said, you don't understand. While I was watching daddy's sheep, lions came at me and I went after them. Bears came at me and I went after them. I used my hands and my, I used what I had. I started where I was and now I'm here and I'm about to take this giant down because you guys keep running from him. There's a spirit of intimidation in the land. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So David said, I'm gonna take down Goliath. Somebody say, I'm going to take down Goliath. What is Goliath in your life? Who is it? What's the situation? What are you up against right now? Personalize this and verbalize your victory. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You declare where your life is going. Either you start saying, man, I'm just defeated. I'm a loser and things are never going to turn around. I'm never going to have children. You know what Isaiah said in Isaiah 54 verse one? He said, sing out, O barren woman. Sing out, prophesy, you who've never been able to conceive, you who've never had children, shout a shout of joyful song. You go, well, that's Old Testament. New Testament, man, I could talk New Testament all day. You want me to? Listen, God calls us to begin to declare those things that are not as if they were. God says, speak life over that which looks dead. Come on, Ezekiel, speak to the dry bones. You're gonna talk, you might as well talk victory instead of talk defeat. You might as well say something good about your future instead of saying something, uh, stop describing what you see and start describing what God's about to do. And thirdly, here it is right here, mobilize your victory. You don't just see it, you don't just say it, you gotta do something. So I want you to stand your feet all over this place. When our team was playing against another team here in the city, Nathan Hale, we had a game against Nathan Hale and, and they were winning, they were really good. And it was a home game and th there we were and it just felt like, man, nothing, none of our shots were falling. We were down by a few points, less than a minute left. Our team's name is Victory, right? And yet here we are, we're losing. And uh, the cheerleaders were on the sidelines and they were like, we gotta change the atmosphere. They didn't know what to do, but they, they got this idea. Even though we're down, let's start declaring we got the victory. And so they got the whole, the stands were sitting there. We were quiet. None of us were shouting, none of us were cheering. All of us were a little discouraged, deflated, just watching the scoreboard. The enemy wants you staring at what's not to try to talk you out of what could be. The enemy wants to, wants to get you defeated, discouraged, feeling like there's no way you could get out of this. But those who are with us are more than those who are against us. The angels in heaven are on your side. So the cheerleading squad, they said, come on, stand, stand up, stand up. Turn this way. So I want you guys to turn this way with me. Get out your choo-choo train arm and say it with me. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. 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 
V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, victory! Hey, listen, some of y'all in the room aren't doing it. Some of y'all are like, this is children's church stuff. Yeah, say that to Joshua when he marched around the walls of Jericho as a grown 80-year-old man and God said, I want you to shout victory even though the walls haven't fallen down yet. You know what I want at our church? I want the adult service to be louder than the children's church service. I want our adult service to be more radical than a youth service. I want, when you come here, I want you to expect some just wild, awesome worship praise. We're gonna get up and we're gonna shout victory before the walls come down. God told Joshua, I want you to march around the walls. You, all of you men who are 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, 30, 40 years old, all you men who think you're too cool, too cool for school, I want you to take out your cool card, rip it up. Because what you're about to do is gonna look crazy in the eyes of the world. They're gonna come in here and go, you guys are a cult acting like you got the victory. We're all discouraged and defeated here in the United States of America. Not us! Ha! Hey, there's a reason why our church is not called Defeated Church. When you drive onto this campus, imagine if you drove onto the campus and our sign said, welcome to Defeated. Welcome to, come on into Defeated Church. We're all defeated, we're all defeated. No, no, when you come onto this campus, you come into an atmosphere of victory. You come into, I don't know what you're walking through, but God's not done. The fact you're still here, God's not done. There's breath in your lungs. God's not done with your son. God's not done with your daughter. God's not done with your husband. God's not done with your wife. God's not done with your children. God's not done with your finances. God's not done with your dreams. God's not done. I have the victory in my life. And even if I look a little crazy, I'm gonna talk myself into victory. I'd rather be crazy talking myself into victory than be miserable talking myself into depression, caring about what everyone else thinks. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. So I come in here and I shake it off. And before I get on this stage, I, I remind myself, no, I'm anointed to do what God's called me to do. I'm a rise above. Some of you need to remind yourself who you are. Man, I feel like I'm prophesying. It's the end of the series. It's Memorial Day weekend. You're gonna be dismissed in just a few minutes, but I wanna pray for some people today. Some of you are in a battle and you need to see a victory in it. And the enemy's been whispering, you're defeated, you're defeated. And this week, I dare you on Monday to wake up out of that bed and go V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, V-I-C. I dare you to get out of the wheelchair this week and go V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Speak it over that situation. The enemy's saying, no, no, it's over. It's you know what? They thought Jesus was done. I love this, the fact that Jesus, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He said, I'm gonna borrow it for a minute and I'm borrowing it because I'm giving it back to you. I don't, don't buy me a tomb because I ain't staying in there long. Let me just borrow the tomb. He borrowed it for three days and he gave it back to Joseph of Arimathea. He said, thanks man, I'm good now. I borrowed it for as long as I need. I'm coming out of the tomb now. Some of you need to look at the devil and go, it was just borrowed, it was just for a minute. I'm out of here now. I'm coming into victory now. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. 
I want to say this. I want to say this. I know y'all are like, you were supposed to be done 10 minutes ago, but the Holy Spirit's saying something here. Victory doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. I got to say that because some of you will walk out and that person may still leave you. You go, what happened? I thought I was supposed to have the victory. Victory doesn't mean that everybody does what you want. I thought Paul preached about a victory and the boss still fired me. Paul preached about victory and they're still treating me with racism and prejudice and nobody's, they're just being mean to me. I'm not saying that your victory is going to make everybody be nice to you and do everything that God's called them to do. You can't control them. All you can control is your mind, your heart, your attitude, and your response. So if they leave you, if they reject you, if they walk out on you, if they draw a circle and push you out of the circle, you draw a bigger circle and say, I got the victory, my man. I got the victory. You can push me out, but I'm going to bring everybody into the victory circle. This is why Paul the Apostle said, you tried to strike me down, but I'm not staying down. I'm unstoppable because no matter what you do, you can't break me. You can, you can break my fingers, but you can't break my spirit. You, you, can, you can hit me in the head as many times as you want. You can whip me with that whip on the back, but you can't break the inside. The Holy Spirit is in this place. Get your spirit language back. Get your victory language back. If you need a victory, I want you to leave your seat. Just come down to this altar. If the enemy's been messing with you, if you're in a battle right now, come down to this altar. Just begin to worship in the middle of whatever it is. Just begin to surrender to God in whatever it is. Leave your seat. You need a victory in your health? Come on down. You need a victory in a relationship? Come on down. You need a victory over depression? Come on down. God's saying, start mobilizing your victory. Start getting ready for what God's about to do. If you're here today and you say, Paul, things aren't right between me and God. I've drifted from God. I've gotten into sin. Come on down to the altar. His forgiveness is here. It is finished. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the grave for you. The end of that story is when our cheerleaders started doing that chant, our team got a second win. They ended up winning the game and it looked impossible for them to win. They ended up winning the game by one point. I mean, it was literally like a half court shot. The guy fell back, shot a three and won the game at the buzzer. But I sensed that there was a, everyone felt like something changed when the fans stood up and stopped sitting down in silence, acting like we were defeated. Something changed when people changed. Something's about to change in your life just because you're responding to what God's speaking. Instead of being angry, mad, pessimistic, you're saying, okay, God, I surrender. Have the victory over my heart. Have the victory over my attitude. Have the victory over my eyes. Have the victory over my ears. Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, faith comes by hearing. So Lord, I'm gonna hear the word of God and I'm gonna let faith begin to come out of me. As you let God have the victory over you, he's gonna give you the victory over that situation. When God called Samuel to rise up out of grief, he said, now fill up your flask with oil. Get ready, pour the oil out because you're about to go and anoint the future. Get your oil back. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. Oil represented the joy, the Spirit of God, the power of God. And the Holy Spirit is not, it's not a weird thing. It's not a kooky thing. It's a power thing. If you lost your power this last week, call PSO. If you lost your spiritual power, call the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring it back to you. He wants to give you that power in the midst of whatever you're walking through that you begin to walk in victory in Jesus' name.
we build ourselves up. We build up our faith. Praying in the spirit. Prophesying in Jesus' name. God's not done. It's not over. God's not finished. God's going to give you wisdom. Strategic wisdom. Things to do that you wouldn't know how to do unless you were praying, listening to God. Getting a vision of victory. Verbalizing your victory. Mobilizing your victory. So let's pray this together across this room. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Thank you for the victory. Thank you that you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You purchased my victory. So I receive it and I'm going to walk in it. I surrender. I repent. I receive your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that I have the victory. Holy Spirit, fill me with your power to walk in victory over the schemes of the devil. I am not defeated and I will not be defeated. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you. God bless you.